when I was in junior high, or not junior high, junior and senior in high school, I worked as a counselor at a, a camp up in Boone, North Carolina. And, of course, we had all sorts of activities throughout the week for the kids and things. And one of the things that we did was tug-of-war. And we had this humongous rope. I think it was huge. And uh, have you all ever done tug-of-war? And we would get the kids out there, you know, and we had one group on one side and one group on the other. And, of course, you had the dividing line in the middle. And, you know, and so everybody gets ready to go. And you're like, okay, ready, get set, go, you know. And they start tugging, you know. And, and everybody over on this side is, come on, you can do it. Come on, you can do it. And this side's over here, come on, you can do it. And they're all pulling and yanking and things like that. And if you've ever been involved in tug of war, you know, you're sitting there and you're leaning back. Now, the key is you want your biggest person on the end, okay. You want that anchor, okay. You really want to have the biggest person you can there. And so... Everybody's tugging, but if you've ever done tug of war, and, and if you're pulling back and pulling back, but all of a sudden you, you have to go forward a little bit. Oh, that's a horrible feeling. You know, and you're t- tugging all of a sudden, and, they, and you're sliding, you're digging in, and, and there comes a point, you know, if you're not getting that momentum backwards, there comes a point where they keep pulling forward where finally you can feel it going this way, and all of a sudden you just go, and the rope goes over the end, and the other team uh, experiences the victory. Have you ever felt, have been that, play tug of war and had that happen? Do you ever feel that way when it comes to the Christian life? That you're on this tug of war, you know, you're tugging against Satan, you're tugging against the flesh, you're tugging against the world, and you're constantly getting this pull, and you're pulling, and you're trying to dig in, you're trying to dig in, but sometimes you just feel like you're giving a little bit, and you try and pull back, but then you feel like you're moving forward, and you just feel like you're kind of in a tug of war. Do you ever feel that way with the old flesh, and the devil, and the world? And, and you just sometimes, maybe as a believer, like, I just don't know if I can do this. You know, and you, and you feel like, and maybe there's been times... When you've really, in that tug of war, you've fallen forward and you've crossed the line and, and, oh my goodness, you know, and and you're struggling with a sin in your life and and you just think, I don't know if I can live the Christian life. This is so hard. This is so difficult. I'm just constantly being fooled. And, And here's the reality. We are in a war. We've been doing this series called I Sin and for the last several weeks we've been focusing on the armor of God and the reality is if you are a follower of Jesus... And let me qualify that. That is a person who says, God, I know I'm a sinner. I've missed the mark. And I I need a Savior. I need somebody to deliver me from my sin. I'm not good enough. I can't get there on my own. And a person says, okay, I admit, I believe that Jesus died on that cross for my sin. And I'm asking you, Christ, to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn from that. And I'm going to turn to you. Please be my Lord and Savior. That is a Christ follower, a person who's had that time with the Lord and given their heart and life to him. And, and if you're a Christ follower here this morning, let me tell you that when you responded to God's conviction and you responded to Christ and you asked him to be your savior, you were immediately signed up for war. You were immediately put into battle. And we are in this battle, and, so, and it's a tough battle. I mean, our airways today are full of sex and drugs and violence on our airways today, and our TV shows glorify adultery and all sorts of things like that. And, and we live in a world today where we, we, we're just constantly, with media, being bombarded with all these stuff. And sometimes it's just, as a believer, you might be like, I just don't know if I can succeed here because I, I feel this constant tug and I feel this constant 
pull, and, and sometimes, Jim, I'm just losing, and, and, and maybe, you're, maybe you're this morning, maybe you're like, I have just, I have fallen over the line too many times, and, and I'm, I'm just here this morning because my wife wants me here, or because my kid says I ought to come here, or it's Father's Day, but really in my heart, I just have given up. Maybe that's how you feel. I've just given up. Tug of war, I just have lost. And so your love for Christ has grown cold. You're just kind of enduring church services. Maybe you feel it's drudgery and pointless. Maybe you've thought about just giving up and walking away from Christ. So how, how do we, if you're a Christ follower, how do you keep from getting pulled down? How, how do you keep from getting pulled over the line? How, how does that work? How is that going to happen? Because one day, we're all going to give an account before God. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's not whether you're going to heaven or not, but how you've lived your life for him. And I don't know about you, but I want to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I would like to hear. But maybe you feel like I have just messed up so many times and I just don't think I'll ever hear that and I am just ready to, to quit. So how do we keep from finishing spiritually poor? How do, we, how do we win that battle? How do we keep from getting pulled down by the world, the flesh, and the devil? How, how do we keep getting pulled into Satan's lies? How do we keep from getting pulled into our fleshly desires? Because the reality is we are in a spiritual war. I don't have my clicker, guys, so just follow along with me. To win spiritual battles, to win spiritual battles, we have to put on the whole armor of God. That's what we've been talking about. To win those spiritual battles, you and I have to put on the whole armor of God. And now, in, our, in the Bible, Ephesians chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, turn there. That's in the New Testament. Uh, that's in those little books in the New Testament. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I've told you a simple way to remember that is Georgia Electric Power Company. Might help you remember that section there. But in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul is talking to Christ followers. And, 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 and he's saying, look, here's the deal. We're in a spiritual battle, right? We all have these struggles, even the Apostle Paul. And he says, but I want you to know that God has given us spiritual armor. The armor comes from God. And I've talked about this a few weeks ago. And the reason that God gives us this armor is because we're involved in a spiritual war. All right? And as Paul said earlier in Ephesians 6, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people, but against spiritual for uh, forces in, in high places. And Paul says because of that, God is the one who has issued you spiritual armor. So when you responded to Christ, if you've done that, God gave you spiritual armor. But Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6 that you have to put it on. All right? It, it, you know, we're, my father-in-law, as, as you all know, has had a stroke. And we've been, I think we've made like 25 trips now to Fort Wayne. And we're going to be back there um, this Thursday and Friday. Hopefully things are going to be getting moved and um, getting closer to wrapping that up. But as we were going through my father-in-law's stuff, of course, he was a West Point guy. And I opened a, one of the hanging bags in the closet, and there were the uniforms uh, from West Point and uh, from his days in the Army and stuff. And I was asking my wife, you know, is this something we want to keep here for, for that? And, and, but the reality is my father-in-law's uniforms are in the bag, but they do no good unless you put them on, right? I mean, if he didn't put it on, nobody would know, okay, that, that he, he just looked like anybody else. 
But you put on that uniform. So here's the deal. God has given us the uniform. He's given us the spiritual armor. But Paul says here in the text, you, Christ follower, you have to put it on. There has to be an intentionality about this. It's not going to just happen magically. And the reason you and I have to put on the armor of God, Paul says, is so that you can resist, literally punch back with the same amount of force, and so that you can stand firm. And so if you don't have that armor of God, let me tell you, you're going to get pulled over the line. Every time. If you don't get, have that armor of God, you're going to get pulled over the line every time. So, so Paul says, here's, here's the thing, Christ follower. If you don't want to get pulled over the line, if you want to stand firm, you have to put on the whole armor of God to protect yourself. Because to win spiritual battles, you have to put on the whole armor of God. And so I, I just want to briefly go through this. If you want to watch online or listen to the audio, you can go back to the other sermons where we pick these apart. But let me just go through these quickly. Paul says, here's what the armor is. You've got to have the belt of truth. Why? Truth. Because Satan is the father of lies. Jesus said that in John 8, 44. He is the father of lies. So you, Christ follower, you have got to know the truth. And Jesus said, if you know the truth, the truth will what? Set you free, right? So you've got to have that belt holding everything up of truth. That's what you've got to have on. Also here in, in verse 14, he says, you've got to have righteousness-like armor on your chest, that breastplate of righteousness, as the King James puts it. And again, why, why is that? Because that breastplate covers your lungs and your heart. And again, you and I have to breathe in. We use our lungs to breathe in and breathe out. And so as we go through this life, we have, as we breathe in the world, so to speak, it has to be filtered through God's righteousness, okay? How, how does this stand up against God's righteousness? How does this stand up against God's holiness? Because here's the deal. If you and I keep breathing in the world without that breastplate of righteousness, we're going to breathe out the world, all right? And, and, and if we breathe in this stuff long enough, it's going to result in actions. Just the bottom line. You know, so we have to make sure that we're breathing in. Also, that breastplate covers your heart. And the Bible says that we should guard our heart because that is the wellspring of life. And again, your heart is why you say the things you do, why the things you think the way you think you do. And again, if you're, not, if you're breathing in the world, if you're filling up your heart with all that trash, you're going to act that way. So you've got to filter this stuff through God's righteousness and God's holiness. The other thing Paul said is you got to have your feet sandaled with the gospel of peace. And, and here's the bottom line. The gospel is the good news. There's no debate here. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way. And you and I have to stand firm in that. Okay, so this is the gospel. This is the gospel. And so we have to stand firm in that, and we have to be ready to share that. There is no compromise. And then last week we looked at this, verse 16. He says, and in every situation, um, he said, take up the shield of faith, and with it you'll be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. And again, Satan wants to destroy us. He wants to destroy your home. He wants to destroy the church. He wants to destroy your testimony. He is firing those arrows as much as he can. And Paul says the defense is having that shield of faith. And that faith means you don't trust in yourself. You trust in God. That faith means that you don't rely on your own strength. You rely on God's strength. That faith means that you don't try to solve your problems. You let God take care of those issues. Using that shield of faith means you and I have to get on our knees. Using that shield of faith means that we have to submit to God and God's will in our life. And we have to look for God for help and protection. You have to take up the shield of faith. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, we live by faith and not by sight. That's the shield of faith. 
So as, as believers, we have to take up the shield of faith, which means require, it requires dying to your doubts. That shield of faith. Taking up that shield of faith re- requires dying to your fears. Taking up that shield of faith means trusting God with all your heart and reminding yourself how God has worked in the past. You've got to have that shield of faith or you're going to stumble. And then in verse 17, he also said you need to take up the helmet of salvation. This is so cool. Okay, because the helmet protects your what? Your head, right? And, and what's, what's in this, we would argue, but a brain, right? Okay, <laughs> we hope. <laughs> There's something up there, right? Okay, and that's your thoughts. And Paul says you've got to protect that with the helmet of salvation. Last week we took this apart and said, what does that mean? Well, I, I just want to review what I told you last week. I'm not going to go in depth, but here, here's what it means. You need to know in your mind what God has done for you as a result of the salvation he's given you. Because Satan is firing at you. He's going for the head, like I told you last week when I was in martial arts. I mean, you got extra points for kicking people in the head. I mean, that's the place where you really want to ring their bell, okay, and try and take them out. And so here's the deal. You, Satan goes for the mind, and you, if you're a Christ follower, let me just remind you real quickly, and again, you can look at this last week, but I just want to remind you because Satan goes for this, but if you're a Christ follower, here's the deal. You need to know this helmet of salvation. You're chosen by God. God chose you. That's huge. You are kept by God. God keeps you. You are declared righteous by God. God has declared you righteous. Your name is written in the book of life. You've been adopted into God's family. You can legitimately call him father. Sin is not your master. It's not your master. Sin is not your master. You are a saint. Okay? You are a saint. Again, so you are a saint. You are a new creation. You are a citizen of heaven. You are a priest. You, are the, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You have Christ in you. You have a glorified body waiting on you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Those are all things that you are as a result of your salvation. And Satan wants to come at you, and you've got to have that helmet on. Remember, no, Satan, no. I am chosen by God. No, Satan, I am not. Sin is not my master. No, thank you very much. No, Satan, I am not a sinner. I am a saint. Okay? I may sin, but I'm a saint. All right? You've got to have that helmet on when he comes at you. Because he wants to put doubts in your mind. And you've got to say, this is who I am in Christ. Again, just remind you of what I've said over and over in this series. And this is just one point of this series. To win spiritual battles you have to put on the whole armor of God to win the spiritual battles you have to put on the whole armor of God now so far really we've been talking about the armor of God as more of a defense okay and and that defense is knowing who you are in Christ it is trusting God it's walking by faith it's filtering out the messages of the world through God's righteousness it's standing firm in the gospel we've been talking really about kind of defensive things all right but today I want to take another time and we need to go on the offense all right, so far we've had those defensive things. Now we've got to go on the offense. So look at the last part of verse 17 here in chapter 6. And take, and that's implied there, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, as I told you, we've been cleaning out my father-in-law's uh, place, and I brought one of his swords here today. 
Uh, now, there's a sword in the house. Everybody run. No, okay. Uh, but this is um, a sword here from West Point. Um, and I'm not going to get off this stage, so you all need to worry about it, okay? Um, now, I took uh, fencing uh, in college. My wife's actually much better than I am because she remembers stuff and I don't. But uh, one thing about the sword is it is a defensive weapon as well as an offensive weapon, right? I mean, you block things like that with the sword, but also you jab with the sword, okay? It is a defensive weapon as well as an offensive weapon. So Paul here, he gives us this, and he tells us, you need to take up the sword of the Spirit. Now, the Roman soldiers, their swords weren't this long, generally. They were about 18 inches, okay? The, the, the typical Roman soldier, foot soldier sword would be uh, much shorter than this, maybe about this long. And they were really designed for close combat, they were really designed for hand-to-hand combat uh, up close and things like that. And so Paul tells, when he says, take up the sword of the Spirit, he is thinking about this hand-to-hand combat type of sword and things like that. I mean, here's the deal. The spiritual battle you are and I engaged in is not the type where you fly a drone into enemy territory and drop a bomb. Your battle is going to be up close and personal. It's going to be up close and personal where Satan's going to come after you. So you have to take out the sword of the Spirit. Now, what does it look like? Well, Paul tells us. He says it is the Word of God. Now, today we think of the Word of God as the Bible, right? All 66 books of the Bible is the Word of God. Now, how do you use it? Well, it's kind of interesting. The word that Paul uses when he says Word of God, typically that word word in the Greek is logos, But he actually uses a different word. It's rama uh, there instead of the word logos. And he uses a different word. Why does he use a different word? Well, the difference is, is he is referring to individual scripture that God brings to our mind, okay, in those times of need. For example, when Jesus was in the wilderness, Jesus was a prime candidate to be pulled across the line. I told you a few weeks ago that times that we really fall into sin, it's tempting, is when we need to halt. When we're hungry, we're prime target for sin. When we're angry, we're prime target for sin. When we're lonely, it's prime target for sin. And when we're tired, prime target for sin. Halt. Those are times. Jesus is in the wilderness. He is hungry. He's not eating for 40 days. Some of y'all couldn't even, we couldn't even miss lunch. All right, he's not eating for 40 days. All right, he's definitely lonely. He's out there in the wilderness, and he's obviously very tired, okay? Obviously not getting a good night's sleep. So Satan comes after him, goes for Jesus, because he knows if he can get Jesus to fail, to fall, if he can get Jesus pulled over the line, that he can derail everything. He can derail the cross, He can derail Jesus' ministry, and it's all over. But if you go to Matthew chapter 4, we're not going to go there, but if you read it, whenever Satan attacks, how did Jesus always fight back? With the Word. He always says, it is written. 
And Jesus would, would quote Scripture back to Satan. He would use those appropriate parts of Scripture that whatever attack Satan was coming after him, he would use that part of Scripture, an appropriate passage of Scripture, to say, no, it is written. And that's what Paul says. He uses a different word there because he's talking about individual Scripture, using those parts of the Word of God as offense. Now you say, but Jim, 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 this is a big book. Holy cow, how am I going to use this as my sword? This is a huge book. How's this going to work? Well, here's how to start. First of all, you just got to read it. All right, you can just start there. Start with the Gospel of John in the New Testament. Okay? Just, you, you got to start reading, reading the Word. And don't ever think you know it all, because you don't. None of us will ever know it all. All right? Read the Word. And get into it. Just start reading it. And God will, he'll, he'll plant those little shards of the word in your mind just by you reading it. And there will be times that the Holy Spirit will bring it back to you. You know, one thing you can use, you know, we live in, in technology today. I mean, get you a great app. There's, um, I use Version. Several, uh, some of us here at church here are, are reading through the Bible using Version. Get, get an app or something. If you, there's other apps out there. I just like the Version Bible app. There's tons of translations out there, and there's tons of plans. Okay, so if you're struggling with depression or anxiety, you can type that in. And, uh, you know, there's, there's some great Bible reading out there. But spend time reading the Word. Here, here's another thing. Here, here's another thing. You say, but Jim, it's so big. Well, just start reading. Here's another thing I would challenge you. Research wherever you're struggling with. So let's say you're struggling with anger. And Satan knows that, and he comes after you. Well, a good way to use the word as an offense is go, usually your Bible's have a concordance in the back. Or again, you can just go online and you can look up anger in the Bible or something like that. And, and, and find verses and passages where God talks about anger. And read it. And make notes. You can write in your Bible if you want. It's okay. But make notes. So, so when Satan comes after you, you can be like Jesus, because if, if anger is your issue right now, when Satan comes after you and he's firing those darts and he's trying to get you and your anger to sin, you can say, it is written, this is what I read, Satan. I ain't going to do that. Okay? So again, research, okay? Lots of things out there. Concordance, Bible.org is one place I use. GotQuestions.org is other places. There's tons of places out there, wonderful research places out there. Here's another thing you can do. Just memorize a verse that deals with your struggle. Maybe just once, one verse a week. That's fine. You say, I'm not good at memorizing. The, better, the more you do, the better you'll get at it. Okay? And if you're having a hard time, get you some of that Prevagen stuff they have on the commercial. It helps you remember everything. I'm just joking. Uh, but memorize the verse. Memorize the verses dealing with whatever struggle you're going through and use what you've read and memorized and researched in the battle. You know what I've learned? I remember things much better when I teach it. If I just read it, I don't remember it. But if I have to teach it, that's how I remember it. If I have to go over it, and, and here's the thing, if you use what you're learning and researching, you will remember it. Again, when I, um, one of the things I like to do, I, I, as y'all know, I I've follow a lot of things on Twitter and stuff, and sometimes I'll jump into to arguments. Uh, this week I challenged a guy who said Jesus was, uh, he thought was a real man, but had been attached, Jewish mythology had been attached to him. So I came back with a question, well, why Jesus? 
I mean, there was other people who claimed to be Messiah. Why Jesus? And you know, I'm trying to draw him in to, to, to get him to see there's a uniqueness about Christ. Okay? And, but the point is, one of the things I like to do is spar in my head. When I was in martial arts, we, we would spar, you know, and I was telling you about that. And, you know, we get out there and you have two minutes, you know, and you would spar. What was the point of that? Well, one point was try not to get killed. But the other point was to put into practice what you were learning. All right? So if you were a brown belt or a red belt and somebody was coming at you with a knife, you had to figure out how do I deal with this? How, how do I deflect this? And so you would spar and, and, and things like that. And many times you would have to spar people much better than you. And, you'd ha- and you had to learn how to time your kicks and how to watch for punches and how to get in the red zone and get out of the red zone and things like that. And so the idea is if you sparred enough that if you ever had to actually engage an opponent, you could. All right. Here's one thing I love to do, and I would challenge you to do it. Take whatever you're struggling with, read about it in God's Word, maybe memorize a verse, and spar in your mind. How do I answer this question? How do I respond to this? How do I use God's Word in response to those things? Again, I just want to remind you all, we're in a spiritual war. And Satan is trying to do everything he can to derail you and things like that. And let me just tell you, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Satan's going to do everything he can to keep you away from the Word of God. He'll do everything he can. You know, an old preacher said, uh, this book will keep you from sin, and sin will keep you from this book. Satan will do everything he can to keep you away from the Word of God. And I get it. We all do it. I've done it before. I'm not perfect. Well, I'm just too busy, Jim. I'm just too busy. You know, my day, I've got so much going on. I'm just too busy. Yeah, but it's amazing how you're not too busy to watch two hours of TV at night. We, uh, we have all sorts of excuses like, Jim, I, I, I'm just too busy to, to think about God's Word, to meditate. I'm, I'm too busy to do that. Yeah, but somehow we have time to go through social media posts and check Facebook. Well, here's the deal. Satan wants to use every excuse in the book to keep you away from the book. Why? Because that's your sword. That's your sword. He wants, you to, he wants you to stay away from the sword. He doesn't want you to know how to use the sword. So again, to win spiritual battles, you've got to take up the whole armor of God. Satan will do everything he can. And one of the things that Satan loves to do about this book is he wants you to doubt this book. It's the oldest trick in the book. Genesis chapter 3. Did God really say? It's one of Satan's oldest tricks. You've got to be able to stand firm. Stand firm. And to stand firm, you've got to know it. So you don't have to go to seminary. Just read it. Just where you're struggling with. Look at those sections and those passages. Memorize them. Use them. But that is your sword. Again, Satan is going to come after you. This is your sword. That's why he attacks it. You know, the Bible is the only book that is guilty until proven innocent. Have you ever noticed that? It's the only book that's guilty until proven innocent. The Koran is never challenged like the Bible. But the Bible is constantly under attack. Is Jesus real? Is this really the Word of God? You know why we see all those attacks on the Word of God? Because it's your sword. And Satan wants to do everything he can to get you as a Christian away from it. He wants to do everything he can to get you to doubt it. 
but that is your sword. You know, the darkest period in church history is when this was not available to people in their own language. We call it the dark ages. When the common person didn't have the word of God in their own language, it was the darkest period because Satan ran amok. Many things were done in the name of Christ that were not Christian. This is your sword. Know it, use it. Again, just the main point of this, this series, to win spiritual battles, you have to take up, put on the full armor of God. So I'm going to challenge you all. Take out your sword. Know how to use it. Know how to defend with it. Know how to fight with it. This is your weapon. But there's one more. And I want you to continue to go on here. Verse 18 real quickly as we wrap it up. Here's what Paul says. He says, and sometimes this is left out, but I believe this is a very big part of the spiritual armor. With every prayer and request, pray at all times in the Spirit and stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for the saints. Have you ever seen those war movies when they're under attack and the guy runs up with a radio thing? The, in you know, World War II, they had these humongous radio packs and the guy's pulling up the phone and he's calling in. What's he calling for? Firepower. He's calling for support, right? Prayer is your phone call to God. It is you saying, God, I need help. I need to just show up. I need to do something. And he, here's why we should pray. Just look at verse 18. I'll just pick this apart. Here's why we should pray real quickly. Paul says you should pray because prayer keeps you alert. He says, stay alert in this. Peter said this in 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober. Be on alert because your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. You've got to be alert, and prayer keeps you alert. Satan is winning the battles in our homes and in our own lives because we're not alert. He wants us to be complacent. He wants us to be, believe that everything is okay. It's just okay. It's not as bad as it seems. Those are Satan's lies. You've got to be alert to it. That's why you should pray. Here's how we should pray. Look at verse 18 again. It says we should pray in the Spirit. How do you pray in the Spirit? You pray in the Spirit by putting on the armor. You pray in the Spirit by being in the Word. You pray in the Spirit by the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, by having the full armor of God. That is how you pray in the Spirit. Again, if we insist on making excuses, if we insist on ignoring things and, and things like that, if we insist on inhaling the things of the world, we're not in the Spirit. You put on the whole armor of God, you pray in the Spirit. How do we pray, verse 18 again? With perseverance. Keep on praying. Someone once said there are moments when whatever be the attitude of the body, the soul is on its knees. Too many people pray like little boys who knock at doors and then run away. Don't just knock on the door and quit. Keep praying. Keep praying with all perseverance. Let me tell you something, y'all. Prayer requires effort. It takes work. Get on your knees and pray. Take time to acknowledge your sin. Take time to pray for those who are in the battle. Take time to pray for those who don't know Christ. Take time to pray for our president, for our nation, for the leaders of our nation. Take time to pray for spiritual discernment. Take time to pour out your heart before God. Be honest with God. Don't just like, well, I don't want to admit. No, you need to admit it. Believe me, he knows. Be honest with God. Don't be mechanical. And pray. 
Who should we pray for? Verse 18, for all the saints. Pray for all the saints. We need to stand in the gap for brothers and sisters in Christ. And when should we pray in verse 18 again? At all times. Pray at all times. Paul believed in the power of prayer. He believed in the power of prayer. He was saying, you, you, I need you all to pray for me. In fact, look at verse 19, just to show you how much he believed in this. He said, pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known the boldness, the mystery of the gospel. For this, I am an ambassador on chains. Pray that I might be bold enough in him to speak as I should. Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter. He knew he was probably going to Caesar. He knew that Caesar could have him killed. And Paul's like, just pray that I have the boldness to stand there and to use the sword of the Spirit. Stand there with the armor of God on. Pray for me that I can do this. Paul believed in prayer and should, we should too. William Cowper said this, Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint on his knees. Be prayerful. So again, just to wrap this up. To win spiritual battles, you and I have to put on the armor of God. So here's my question I've been asking you through the last few weeks of this part of the I Sin series. Are you wearing the full armor of God? This week, my question to you is, are you taking up the sword of the Spirit? Are you learning it? Are you using it? Not only is it a defensive weapon, but it's an offensive weapon. Are you standing there with the truth, filtering out Satan's lies and the breastplate of righteousness? Are you standing there remembering who you are in Christ? Are you standing there with the good news, your feet firmly planted in the good news of the gospel? Are you standing there putting on the armor of God? You will get drug across the line if you don't have the armor on. And Satan's out there pulling as hard as he can. Are you praying? To win spiritual battles, you've got to put on the armor of God. Are you putting on the armor of God? Let me ask you to close your uh, eyes and bow your head for just a moment. So when's the last time you've been in the Word? This morning? Last week? Last Sunday? Are you using the Word of God as your offensive weapon as well as your defensive weapon? When's the last time you've been on your knees praying? Are you praying for others? Or are you just praying about your wants? Or are you praying, asking God for wisdom, for patience, for knowledge, for strength to face in the spiritual battle? Are you filtering everything out through God's truth? Or are you buying into Satan's lies? What are you breathing in constantly? Are you guarding your heart? Are you planted firmly in the gospel? Father, we are in a war. We don't like to think that way, but it's just the reality. As long as we're on this planet, we're in a war. Father, I pray that you'll help us as we fight in this war to fight with truth, but also in gentleness to remember that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's against spiritual wickedness in high places. Father, open our eyes to see where you are at work. But also open our eyes to see where Satan is influencing 
in our world. And help us, Lord, to be strong and to stand firm. Lord, I pray that everybody in here knows Jesus as Savior. I pray if there's somebody here today that has never responded to Christ's conviction in their life, if you're working their heart right now, I pray that even seated in their chair right now, they'll say, Lord, I repent. I want to turn away from my sin. Please come into my heart. So, Father, I pray that if there's somebody here that's never had that encounter with you, that they'll do that right now. For those of us who have, help us never to forget that we're in a spiritual war and to stand and resist. And we can only do that by putting on your armor. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what you've taught us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.